Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Last Wednesday, we studied, actually, if I had the liberty, I'd continue it, but we'll pick it up again, maybe, maybe before we end this series. But if not, I'm going to pick it up again, maybe in the summertime, and we'll do two or three Wednesdays on it. And that's just on the name of Jesus. Now, we're going to refer to it many times tonight. We're going to show you another aspect of that name. But last week's teaching, I really encourage you to, to how do you do it? You go to the website, get the podcast, that type. You know, y'all that are technically minded know how to do that better than I know how to tell you to do it. But you need to go and listen to that over and 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 over till that revelation of the name of Jesus gets into your spirit. Like you know it, like you know your phone number, your birth date, any other important thing you know, you know it. Not just believe it, that you know it. You say, why? Well, because Peter showed us there in the book of Acts that it is his name through faith in his name. Now listen, if a miracle to the magnitude, now think about this. If a miracle to the magnitude of a man that was crippled from from birth, that's what it said, from his mother's womb. So that's from birth. So that means a gentleman with a major birth defect. He is a cripple because of that birth defect. And if the Holy Ghost, through Peter, makes the statement to the church, not that it was his apostolic authority, not because it was he lived with Jesus for three and a half years, not because he was there at the resurrection, not because he was there at at, at the day of Pentecost, but just simply this one truth. It is his name through faith in his name that has made this man whole whom you see. Now when you begin to realize that, you begin to realize there is, number one, a simplicity in the revelation that is in the name of Jesus. It is not some hard, doctoral pastor, I've been studying, I can't. No, no, it's very simple. Three ways he got his name. Ephesians chapter 1. He got it through conquest, mighty combat against Satan, the powers of darkness. The Bible says that God has given him a name above all principality, power, and every name that can be named. That means no matter what the demonic name you can come up with, Jesus' name has authority over that. He took the authority... Now listen to this. He took the authority and the power that Satan stole from humanity in the garden, returned that power and authority to humanity, and enhanced it with his finished work of redemption. Yeah. It should be a little more than an amen. Let me say that again. It'd be good enough if he just took back what we lost in the fall. I said it'd be good enough if he just took back what we lost in the fall. But not only did he take back what we lost in the fall, he turned around and enhanced it by opening the door for the Holy Spirit to come and abide on the inside and empower on the outside. Let me say something to you, church. You're a super man. You're a superwoman. If you could see yourself in the spirit realm for two seconds, you would change the entire opinion of who you think you are. 
In the spirit realm, when the devil sees you and sees you're a bearer of the name of Jesus, his knees start knocking together. That's why he tries to intimidate you. That's why he tries to bring the fight to you because if, if he can get you to think that in any way he has any power or authority over you, he'll keep you defeated. But the good news is he has none. I said he has none. He is under our feet. I love the illustration that, that Pastor John Osteen used when we were in Bible school. He used the illustration of a big 18-wheeler. And Jesus is in the cab of this 18-wheeler. And he's coming out of hell itself. And he's done, he's done spoiled principalities, powers. He made a show of them openly. And crossing across the highway of eternity was this skunk you call the devil. Everybody say skunk. skunk. And Jesus runs him over in the middle of the road and leaves him flat. Can anybody say amen? Has anybody driven in South Texas in July after a skunk has been ran over? That skunk may be dead. He may be flat. He may be dried out. He may be a Frisbee skunk. Let me know what a Frisbee skunk is. Amen. You get the picture. But what lingers? What lingers? That smell lingers. That's why the enemy, he wants to come with that smell of depression, that smell of financial disaster, that smell of that problem at your job or your business. He wants to bring that smell. Because if you respond to that smell, he knows he can start keeping you in defeat. But if you won't respond to the smell, I've always likened the Word of God to a big can of Lysol. Because Lysol does what? It doesn't cover... I must watch too much TV. It doesn't cover, it removes. So what you do, the enemy comes and attacks your body. You just start going, no devil, he was wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity, chastised the right peace was upon him, by his stripes I'm healed. He comes and says, you're not going to make it financially. He say, no, no, devil, that's just some stink coming from you. The Bible says, Shh, my God, shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. But you've got you to spray that sucker. Right. Can you say sucker in church? Well, I done said it twice. I guess you can. Second way he got it. Had it conferred upon him. Philippians chapter 2. He humbled himself, became obedient, even to the death of the cross. The Bible says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow of things in heaven, earth, under the earth. Then, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, it was given to him through inheritance. The Bible says, Whereby uh, by inheritance he has obtained a more excellent name than they, speaking of the angels. Now, that's where we rejoice. That's where we put on our dancing shoes. That's where we get up and run around the church. Because Romans 8, Romans 8 says that we are heirs and joint heirs. Heirs and joint heirs. Come on, that, that, that name was transferred to us because we are what? Heirs and joint heirs, we have a covenant with God through Jesus Christ and everything that is in that covenant that He obtained for us, we have today by faith. Thank God. I said thank God, including the name of Jesus and its power. 
Now, John chapter 14, we, we were there last week. Go back to John 14, verse 12. Verse 12 of John 14, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works, everybody say the works, the works that I do shall he do also, because, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now notice this. It's kind of like, well, what do they call that now? There's a term for that. Uh, he's doubling down. Heard that term lately? So first he makes the statement. Now listen. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Why? So we can build the church? No. Why? So you can be a big preacher? No. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Then he doubles down. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that word ask we determined last week, that word ask is not the word petition or request. That is the word demand. That, let me say it like this. That word is not on the need side, excuse me, it's not on the worship side of your prayer. That word or that, uh, uh, that ask is not on the, you know, what you're believing. It's on, listen, it's on the side of, the, of your prayer in which you're standing against the enemy. That's where you turn to the enemy and say, Devil, in the name of Jesus, get your hands off my body. Devil, in the name of Jesus, get your hands off my job. Devil, in the name of Jesus, get your hands off of my finances. Get your hands off my business. Get your hands off my children. Get your hands off my marriage. Now, most people's problem is the thought hits them when they use the name. wonder if it worked. Well, if you have that thought, and if you entertain that thought, it did not work. You say, what do you mean by that? The Word of God should so totally convince you that when you resist the, the devil in the name of Jesus, according to the book of James and the book of 1 Peter, when you resist or when you actively oppose the devil in the name of Jesus, he runs in stark terror. You say, well, Pastor, what if the symptoms still persist? What if I didn't get the raise? What if the check hadn't come in the mail? Then what you do is you get the Lysol out and you start spraying that scripture to overcome the thoughts the enemy is trying to put in your head. You lift your hands. You say, Father, I thank you. You supply all of my need. I'm a giver. It comes back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I'm a tither. The devourer is rebuked. Hear that devourer? You're rebuked. God rebukes you in Jesus' name. You say, well, you're, you're talking about getting fanatical. I am. The Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence. One translation says there are violent attempts to bring down the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God resists it with the same ferocity of violence that is thrown against it. That means the enemy comes at you running, you come at him running. He swings at you with a right, you swing at him with a left. Don't lay down and let the enemy stomp your brains out. Use that name of Jesus. Take it and make some demands against your enemy. You're not going to have my mind. You're not going to destroy me. You're not going to have my finances. You're not going to destroy my marriage. 
You're not going to steal my job. You're not going to... Well, what if he does? You can't allow yourself to entertain any types of thoughts that go contrary to what the Word of God says. And the enemy will run thought after thought after thought like a fisherman throwing a lure in front of a fish to see what you're going to bite on. And as soon as you bite on one, as soon as you start entertaining, he flips the switch. And here comes the thoughts in your mind. Now you can't sleep. Now you're anxious. Now you can literally feel that oppression beginning to come on. Man, it's time to rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, I'm not playing this game anymore. Remember this. This will help you. Always fight your fight of faith from the arena of victory up here like that. You getting this? Don't, don't, don't fight it like this or like this. No, no, you fight it like this. Devil, you're under my feet. You're under my feet. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You listen. You learn to be a speaker of the word. Three different areas. Speak to God. Speak to yourself. But you must speak to your adversary. Your mountain needs to hear your voice. Your giant needs to hear your voice. Remember with David? David, I mean, that giant came out there and said, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that with you. I'm going to, you know, who are you? Am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? He said, you come to me with a sword and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God in whom I trust. This day I will take your head from you and I will destroy you so that everyone will know that there is a God in Israel. He just kept saying it and saying it and saying it till it was time to do it. You say, what do you mean? You may have to keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it till that faith is built so strong on the inside of you that you turn and you release that authority at your adversary. That's exactly what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4. He came out of that wilderness. There's the enemy standing right there. Begin to tempt his flesh. Jesus said, it is written. Begin to tempt his mind. Jesus said, it is written. Begin to tempt him spiritually by trying to distort his worship and accept the enemy's plan instead of God's plan. Did you notice what Jesus did then? He didn't say it is written first. He said, Satan, get thee hence, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord. See what he did is he took the first one, it is written. Took the second one, it is written. But the third one, he said, I'm going to release authority right now, and I'm going to say to you, it is written. But before I say it is written, I'm going to tell you what to do. Get thee hence. See, you've got to understand when you use that name, he has to obey. Satan has to obey. Satan has to obey. So his attack against your mind is to try to convince you that he doesn't have to obey. But you have something that he cannot override. You have the Word. He can't override the Word. He can't override the Word. Now, you're there in John chapter 14. Go to John chapter 16. I referred to it last week. John chapter 16. I referred to this last week. And I guess this is, we, could, we can carry this on into the continued teaching on the name of Jesus. Verse 20, 23. And in that day, everybody say, that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Now, what day is he talking about? 
he is talking about today. He is talking about the dispensation in which we live, in which through Jesus and His blood, men and women just like you and I would have access. Everybody say access. Access to God through Jesus Christ and His blood. Now, we so take that for granted. I guarantee you for about the first thousand years we're in heaven, there's going to be all kinds of people coming around you saying, you really lived back then when, they, when you personally had access to God? Where you could talk to God without a priest? Where you could talk to God without a bleeding sacrifice? Where you could talk to God without a law? Where you could just say in the name of Jesus and you could talk to God without being struck dead? You say, yeah, I lived my whole life like that. And you lived at the time in which there was authority in the name of Jesus and you could bind the devil and you could loose the blessings of God and you could go to God in His name and worship God just like the angels while you were on earth. Yeah, that's when I lived. They would be amazed. They would be amazed. When they lived under that old covenant, they had a law and the legalistic reality of that law was if you got anything wrong in that law when it came to an approach to God, you were dead. You were dead. Even the high priest, when he brought the sacrifice yearly into the, into the, into the holy of holies, they put a rope around him. Well, that's a lot of confidence in it. <laughs> they sewed bells on the fringes of his robe. Around the, around the hem of his garment were bells. And he went in there ringing in bells with that rope around his waist. Boy, I tell you, it's a tough job, you know it? Man, I hope I did everything right. Because if I didn't, they're going to find out real quick, and they're going to pull me out, and they're going to go next. That'd be a real fun way to serve God, wouldn't it? I mean, ministry wouldn't look near as good like that, I tell you. But now Jesus, through His blood and His finished sac sacrifice, has made a way where there seemed to be no way. Because you have to first have a temple for God to live. Secondly, that temple must be cleansed by blood. And thank God, God found a temple in you and He found blood to cleanse it with. And that's through Jesus Christ. Now you have access to the Father. Now notice what this says. And in that day, the day in which we live, you shall ask me nothing. Now listen to me. Don't get, don't get weird with this. This is easy. That's the word, make partition of, or the phrase, make partition, or just to ask. Now, it is not scriptural. Now listen to me, don't get in the ditch with this. It is not scriptural to ask Jesus for something. See, people that, we get religiously brainwashed, but here Jesus himself said it. He said, well, pastor said, it's not, it's not uh, you can't ask Jesus for anything. Where did he get that? Got it right here. He said, in that day, you're not going to ask me nothing. You're not going to ask me. What's that old song they used to sing? Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Don't work. It don't work. It may be a cute song, but it doesn't work. You say, what do you mean? You ask, now notice the scripture, read it, read it completely. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask who? The Father. This is your access to the Father who can grant you anything you desire that, that is within the confines 
of, your, of His will for your life and can grant you access or grant you an answer to some things that might not even be the will of God for your life. Now, a lot of people are like, I don't know if I believe that or not. I'm telling you the truth. You stay with something by faith, with the principles of faith, you keep confessing, you keep... Oh, there was a certain thing right when I came back to the Lord that I was really believing God for. I mean, I was, I, I was actually with other people in the same situation. We'd go to a class and we'd listen to teaching and, and I was praying and I was believing God and I was praying. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, you keep it up, I'm going I'm to answer that prayer. That's what he told me. He said, you keep it up. You keep walking by faith. You keep thanking me. You keep worshiping, worshiping God. You, speak, you keep uh, uh, speaking those scriptures. I'll answer that prayer. But this is what he said. That's not my will for your life. You say, well, God is faithful to His Word. He's not going to, listen, although He may not want you to have something, you keep walking by, that's why you've got to find out what His will is. When He said that to me, I dropped that thing like a hot rock. I quit going to the class. People came to me, you're not in our class. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not believing that way anymore. And you remember, I don't know what they were called, they're a, they're a, well, the, one of them is called an etch-a-sketch that you do like that. You write something, then you turn it upside down, shake it, and it erases. This wasn't like that. These little, they were like 10 cents back when I was a kid, 15 cents when I was a kid. And it was a, it was a pad you could draw on, and it had a piece of plastic on it. Y'all remember those? I forget what they were called. But you could take it and draw something or write on it and stuff, and go, and it'd be gone. Literally, in my spirit, I felt the hand of God go into my spirit and go, and I had no desire for that prayer to be answered. And the good news is, he didn't answer that prayer, but he answered the prayer in another way. Didn't answer it in the way I thought he would, but he answered it in another way. So be careful what you ask for. I said, be careful what you ask for. Make sure it lines up with the will of God for your life, because there, there are spiritual principles that God will not violate. Well, we'll get into that some other time, but that's a powerful, powerful thing. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, good night. Where'd my time go? I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it. Now here's why. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask. So ask. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive, why? That your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. It's so joyful when you receive from God. God wants your joy to be full. Now, real quick, let me close. My time's up. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter, chapter 4, verse 14. And I'm kind of hitting this and kind of skimming over it, but I just wanted you to get it. Chapter 4, verse 14 of the book of Hebrews. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Many translations say confession. Everybody say confession. Now this gives us a revelation of Jesus in His deity after His resurrection, seated at the right hand of the Father, not on a vacation during the church age, but in an actual high priestly ministry. Now the only explanation or understanding we have of any type of high priestly ministry was the high priestly ministry 
of the Levitical priesthood in the nation of Israel. Amen. So if you go back and you study the priesthood, see who they were, what they performed, how they performed it, and why they did it, you'll have an understanding of who Jesus is in His deity right now at the right hand of the Father. He is your advocate. Everybody say advocate. That's like an attorney. That's like a lawyer. He's standing to empower you to receive that which the inheritance says belongs to you from the Father because of the death of His Son so that His Son rose from the dead and stands as the attorney, attorney that stands by your side who is your elder brother in front of your father. Everybody say a gimme. You know what a gimme is? That's a gimme. That means... You say, it sounds like the fix is in. The fix is in. I said the fix is in. I said, now, here, you've got an accuser of the brethren. He stands before God accusing you. So if you will not leave the side of your attorney and elder brother and keep yourself focused on the father and not listen to the accuser of the brother, you'll never get in agreement with him. But that accuser is trying to get you in agreement with him. He'll stand before God and say, they're rotten, they're no good. Last month, they didn't tithe for the whole month. They missed five church services. You know, and I even, uh, you know, during Christmas, they had two glasses of wine. Next thing you know, you're like, you've listened to the accuser of the brother. Because the father's standing there, and he's looking at the advocate who's looking at you. Waiting for you to do what? To say, no! That's not true. This is what's true. No matter what I have done, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from it. The Father knows nothing about it because the blood of my Savior has cleansed me from all sin and unrighteousness. See, the devil's trying to get you in a headlock based on your behavior. You need to keep him in a headlock based on your advocate's behavior. Now, not Lotus, I'll close with this. My time is up. You say you keep saying that. Well, it's my birthday. I can do what I want. <laughs> now, notice, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed from the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Hold fast to what the Word says about you. For we have not a high priest which come, uh, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points was tempted. Just like we are, yet without sin. That means He knows everything you're going through, everything you've gone through, and everything you're going to go through. He knows how it feels. He knows the emotion of it. He knows everything about it. And the Bible says it touches Him. It hurts Him to see you suffer. It hurts His heart to see those that He died for in ignorance. It hurts him for people to be religious and not to walk in faith. Now notice what it says. It says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain, now here's the word, mercy and find grace to help. <laughs> you got you. Mercy, which means I messed up. 
and I need mercy. The ability of God to stop from happening to me what should happen to me because of my own shortcomings. So I've come boldly to the throne of grace and I have equipped my advocate with something. I've given him the only thing I can give my priest. Now what does a priest do? A priest offers something to someone higher that you do not have access to without him so that you might be justified by what your advocate says. So the only thing Jesus... Now listen to me closely. If you don't get nothing else out of this message tonight, get this. The only thing Jesus has to present the Father on your behalf is your words. So you got the accuser of the brother going in here saying, hey, they they, they say they're not going to make it. They say they're not going to be able to pay their bills. They say that some weird virus from China is going to get them. They keep talking about it. They keep saying it. They keep saying it. And you're standing over there looking at the Father saying, and Jesus is standing over here with his arms crossed going. He's not saying nothing. But if you've been saying, I've been delivered from the power of darkness. Every virus that could come up on the earth. Amen. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. It quickens, it makes alive my mortal body. Amen. I mean, you, you say things like, God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I'm not afraid of something comes out of China. It's under my feet in the name of Jesus. Then Jesus looks at the Father and says, here's what they say. That may be what he says, but here's what they say. Here's what they say. Now, who do you think God's going to vindicate? The enemy of God? The enemy of God's people? The enemy of God's children? Or his own son and his children or his child that is standing beside him? That's why a lot, of, a lot of people never make it. Because they say, well, Pastor, you just have to say things for what they are. You know, I'm just going to tell it I'm going to tell it like it is. No, I'm not, I'm not going to tell it like it is. I'm not going to tell it like it is. I'm going to tell it how the Word says it. Like it is in the Word. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to keep loading up my Savior, loading up my advocate, loading up my lawyer with words, 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 words. So when he goes to the Father as my high priest, he has the Word of Almighty God being born by the Word of Almighty God. Now let me, one more point because you need to hear this. You don't have to convince God His Word is true. Now think about that for a minute. Your confession, your words, are not designed to convince God His Word is true. Amen? They're designed to convince you. Now remember, the just shall live by what? We're not called as a people or as a church, to prove there's a God. Now let me say that again. We're not called as a church or as a people to prove there's a God. So I'll just, somebody needs to just prove there's a God. No, no, you can't do that. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Amen? And the fact that a lot of people have taken up the, how would you say this? They've taken up the assignment, I guess is what you'd call it, of trying to prove there's a God. 
in which you do not need to do that. You say, why not? Because there is a God that does not need to be proved. Let me say that again. There is a God who does not need to be proved. Listen, He's been forever. He will be forever. He lives in timelessness. He is a supreme being. He is omnipresent. And all little peanut brains can in no way conceive of how great He really is. What we are called to do is to live by faith in His Word. And His Word is Christ. And faith in Him puts us right in contact with the Father. And the Bible says by that faith that you have in your high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by His name, you can come how? Timidly, ashamed. I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. I'm a worm. In the... No, He says, come what? Come boldly. He said, come, just walk right on in. Don't knock on the door. Don't ring the doorbell because you're in your own city. You're in your own house. You're with your own family. Come boldly to the throne of mercy that you might find grace. So he's got both grace and mercy. His strongest characteristics of being God are available for those who will load up their high priest with the word of God and come boldly into his throne room and begin to declare your victory. That's what the throne room is designed for. Not to get something from God, but to affirm to yourself that you've already got it. Would you go into the throne room and beg for salvation? God save me. God save me. God save... Nope. You go in there and say, Father, I thank you that your word says... If I just believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, that God raised Jesus from I am now saved. I've passed from death into life. I've passed from darkness into life. I'm, not, I'm no longer a citizen of a fallen human family. I'm one of God's love children. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. amen. Lift your hands up and thank Him. Father, we thank You. We glorify Your name, Lord. We exalt You, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our high priest, that we can boldly come to the throne of God and obtain mercy and grace in time of need. We can come and worship. We can come and fellowship. We can come and glorify your name. We never need to be alone or lonely again, for we know that spirit that abides, that spirit that empowers, is the very Spirit of God Himself that draws us to His side for fellowship, for worship and prayer, and to ask of the Father that which we desire in Jesus' name. And everyone says, praise the Lord. Stand on your feet, Father. Thank you so much for tonight, for revelation knowledge, for the blessing of God, for that which you speak into us, for that which you say from your Word that is light and life, that causes us to live abundantly, as God says. Now, Lord, as we leave tonight, thank you so much for the provision of safety and protection you afford us. Psalms 91 is our standard. No evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. The angelic realm is busy, busy, active. They have charge over us. Thank you, no evil befalls us. Thank you, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Thank you only with our eyes will we behold and see the reward of the wicked. Thank you, Father. The devil is under our feet. Traveling, highway, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation. 
the righteous labor of our hands, medical, oil field, construction, our own businesses, education, no matter what it may be, no matter where we may do it, we're not subject to trial, tribulation, accidents of any kind. We thank you we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you for that great door of utterance. Let every one of us this week be a blessing to people, a problem to the devil, an answer to somebody's prayer. Empower us to reach people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your overwhelming love, the overwhelming access you give us by your word and by your spirit to your own precious heart. We love you so much. We love you so much. Thank you for our church. We walk in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.